0: Warning, The Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times bestselling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Ill
1: fares the land. To hastening ills a prey where wealth accumulates and men decay princes and lords may flourish or may fade breath can make them as a breath has made but a bold peasantry their country's pride when once destroyed can never be supplied that was written in 1770 by the English poet Oliver Goldsmith and it's from his poem What is from his poem? Does anyone know what that poem is? I'm sure many of you do. Ill fares the land to hastening ills a prey. Great, great poem. But why am I reading it to you? In the midst of the epidemic, in the midst of the psychopathic left-wing governmental officials who have destroyed the economies of entire states like California based on fake data, Uh, in the midst of thuggish police beating up old men on lines waiting to go to have pancakes with their wives on Mother's Day because some fascist left-wing governor told him to beat people up who were going to have pancakes uh, with their elderly wife uh, on Mother's Day. The coronavirus that is endangering our very civilization should be the topic, and in a way it is, but in a way it isn't. I'm talking about something else that's somewhat related, but is not directly related. And that is a tweet that I made sometime before the show a few hours ago about China owning much of our farmland. Did you know about that one? Haven't heard about that from your uh, Democrat-Republican friends? Oh, did the leader... Oh, wow. Well, we'll talk about that because it's a big story. Did you know about that? you know how much land they own? So I tweeted something. And I said, should America reclaim all U.S. farms owned by China? Ill fares the land to hastening ills of prey where wealth accumulates and men decay. That's not exactly related to the Chinese so cleverly buying up our mines our farms, our ports, the very air we breathe being bought by China. But I don't blame the Chinese government for that. Who do I blame? I blame the political class for that, Democrat and Republican, because never forget how many Republicans went to work as lobbyists for China. Madeline Halfbright, one of the worst of all of them, one of the lowest of human beings, if you remember her. Then there was not only uh, her, but... To be fair, on our side, there was the war hero from World War II, Bob Dole. Bob Dole himself became a lobbyist for China. He a man's got to make a buck. Well, you know, there were people who sold trucks to Hitler before World War II. In fact, uh, Henry Ford put a Ford plant in Germany before World War II to build trucks for Hitler. Did that make Henry Ford a crypto-Nazi? Not really. He was just a businessman looking out for his business which means that you can't let businessmen dictate government policy in every case. Sometimes the people have to dictate policy. And I am saying it's time to take back all the U.S. farms owned by China. Now, we heard about the pork farms and them buying things like that. But did you know what else they own? Well, you'll find it a little bit more today on The Savage Nation. Oh, if you only knew how much they owned. Now, way back when, in 2006, there was a similar but not exact situation. It threatened our national security, but not in terms of denying us our very sustenance in terms of food. It was the Dubai Ports deal, and it was a Republican, George Bush, George Bush, who tried to give security of our seven or seven of our national ports of entry to Dubai I Raised in a national outcry for it. I should have won a prize for it, but I don't need the prize The prize was stopping them. That was prize enough and it was Michael Savage not Charles Schumer Who pushed against the Dubai ports deal with the help of this enormous audience? It was the outcry we raised through this radio show that stopped George Bush From transferring the security of seven of our national ports to Dubai if you remember that case It was enormous And strangely enough, one of the most prominent members of Congress who agreed with me at the time was Charles Schumer. And Charles Schumer at that time came on this show. And that's because politics makes strange bedfellows indeed. And together, as Americans, we put our national interests ahead of our political interests, and we said no to George Bush. We said no to Dubai taking over our ports, And we stopped them from taking over port security. Who will stop China now since they already own so much of our farmland? They own our pork production, cattle production, wheat production, soybean production. They own our mines. God knows what else has been given away. Do you agree with me that the ownership of American farmlands should be stopped right now and all foreign ownership uh, be returned to Americans? Now, you could say, well, how are you going to do that? Just seize it? No, I didn't say seize I said reclaim, what would reclaim mean? It means instead of bailing out Catholic churches, uh, the government could bail out the, the Chinese and just give them back the money or take it out of some other fund, I don't care. Just pay them off and throw them off. Pay them off and throw them off. Pay them off and throw them off. How's that for a rallying cry? Just get the hell out of our country. You're not owning the very land that we use for our food production. Are we that stupid? No. But we're uh, there's another word for it, which I don't have right now. Now, many of you remember The Friday Show. It was one of my best shows in a long time, maybe one of my best shows ever. It came out of nowhere. It was from my having watched a TV show that I was very fond of, which was entitled uh, My Brilliant Friend on HBO. It's a small show in a way, but fabulous. It was about post-war Italy and the poverty and the poor people and traces the lives of two women starting out as little girls in this little housing project outside of Naples. And the story is told from across a period of, spans 70 years of the two women. The boyfriends, the marriage, the divorces, the children. And uh, it really struck me because although I grew up in America in a lower middle class home, I wouldn't say poor because we weren't impoverished, but we were, I would say, at the lower end of the lower middle class immigrant family. Didn't complain about it. I had three meals a day and all that, but the point is is that the life that I led as a child was very much like the children that I saw in that show, and I'm still watching it in a way. It's gotten a little boring as it goes on, a little too girly for me at this point. It's not that interesting now. It's just too much, and, and one of the characters, just to summarize this little thing on that, my brilliant friend. The dark-skinned one, there's a dark-skinned girl and a light-skinned girl are friends, you know, the Italian range in colors so of skin, by the way. Ooh, what I said. So she's of a dark skin type, and she is really nasty. She is mean, even as a child. She's a mean girl. Nasty, mean, stands up to the boys in town and tells the boys, if you try to pull me in a car, I'll cut your throat, and if I don't get you now, I'll kill your whole family. That kind of girl. Well, she she's an awful person, and she's so awful that eventually when she gets married to one of the wealthier little wealthier men in town owns a little shoe store or whatever uh and she's treated like a lady and they have a nice car she refuses to sleep with them on their wedding night uh, even though they go to a beautiful hotel on the amalfi coast it's a horrible scene she's the wrong one she's the monster and i can't stand her anymore so i don't think i'm gonna watch it (laughs) anymore but okay so that's not the point the point is the show that i did on that podcast so what was the title of the show if you listen it was simple a peasant's view of the world and people loved that title a peasant's view of the world now why did i choose that why did i choose that title a peasant's view of the world well i said i have kept my mind cluttered uh excuse me clutter free of the trappings of my success. Let me put it to you that way, that's very well put. I do not let the trappings of my own success clutter my thinking. And I try to continue to think as I would have as a poor man, not because it's noble but because it keeps my mind clear. And so I talked about what we're living through today under the dictatorship of the governors, under the dictatorship of these nameless, faceless, feminist bureaucrats who have stolen our freedom and are using the police as their Gestapo to beat people up who don't uh, wear a mask. I talked about how American business will look in six months. Won't be pretty. I said to you, in a peasant's view, we've seen the flash. We've heard the bomb go off, but we have not yet seen the devastation. You haven't seen it yet. Six months from now, you will see the devastation. You will see the devastation. We know that farmers are pouring out milk into streams. They're ripping up crops. They're plowing under animals. Food shortages are beginning. All because of governmental mismanagement of agricultural policy. You heard me right. And you could blame any side you want. I really don't care. Governmental mismanagement of agricultural policy is responsible for this insanity. And I said, as a child, again, going back to a peasant's view, I was told to finish my plate. And if I didn't finish my plate, they put it in the refrigerator and they reheated what I didn't finish the next day with the next meal. Why? Because we were told not to waste food. It's another time and another place. But I'm afraid when I tell you this, that many of us are going to have to learn how to think like peasants in order to survive in the future. Now, think about what I'm saying to you. Many of us will have to learn how to think like peasants in order to survive. Now, what is a peasant? I'm not referring to what is known as a plebe. That's sort of a derogatory statement. While to me a peasant is sort of a, uh, um, in a, a noble state, a plebe is a little different. What is a plebe? Well, a plebe was a reference to ancient Roman citizens, no, not patricians, commoners, they had no right to vote. And today it might refer to someone from the lower social class as a plebe. And I realize in America today, we're supposed to think that there are no differences between lower social classes and higher social classes, but I would advise you to think carefully about those who beat people up in Walmarts over a hamburger, uh, or things of that nature. There are definitely lower classes, and middle classes, and higher classes in the social order, no matter what you would say, or no matter what the newspapers would like you to think. And so, my friends, that's what we're talking about now. And today's show will be a continuation, in a way, of the peasant's view of the world. And I'm going to look at some of the stories of today, and look at them through the eyes again of a highly educated highly educated peasant so we look at a story almost half of all catholic churches in the us were given small business loans as part of the coronavirus emergency funding i almost fell down when i saw that story i said what a church bailed out with money that was meant for the S- for the small businesses of america yes indeed But if you think I'm picking on the Catholic Church, you are wrong, because Jewish temples got the money, Protestant churches got the money, Buddhist temples got the money, mosques got the money. But the headline was, more than 12,000 Catholic churches applied for PPP loans meant to hold small business together in the US. And three and four of the churches had them granted, had them granted while your small business is still waiting for the first penny from Uncle Donald. You're still waiting for the first penny. Between 12,000 and 13,000 of the 17,000 U.S. Catholic churches applied for PPP loans, denying the lifeline meant for millions in their communities. And here's the kicker. The study found that the larger the church, the more likely it was to have applied and gotten federal aid meant for your small business. How did that happen? Well, I think it's pretty clear how that happened. Nancy Pelosi, as you well know, is in many cases in charge of what happens with regard to the budget. Why would Nancy Pelosi want to bail out the Catholic Church? Why? Where do most of the, Ill- illegal, why, where do most of the illegal aliens go? Who are they housed by? Who brings them in? the very same Catholic churches that you bailed out with your money that was meant for the store on the corner. So that's number one, but she's not alone, not alone at all. We have Mitch McConnell. I wouldn't spell, uh, spell his name McConnell anymore. I now spell it on Twitter as Mick, uh, that is M C L McConnell. You should say Mick McConnell. Because Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi are about one in the same. And the bailouts were chosen by his committee, by her committee. And how do you explain that almost half of all Catholic churches in the U.S. were given small business loans? Now, again, going down the list of things that I want to talk about today, I have the name of the doctor who ordered the Bay Area's coronavirus lockdown, the first in the U.S. This woman... With her feminist cronies, Dr. Sarah Cody is the one who banished us from Sharks hockey games and banished your daughter from her high school. This is the woman who eventually shut in six million San Francisco Bay Area residents in six neighboring idiotic counties, allegedly to slow the stampede of a deadly pandemic. It was this one doctor, Sarah Cody, who would eventually lead her Bay Area Uh, Shall I say cohorts, but I would call them feminist maniacs to pull the trigger on March 16th on the historic seven-county legal order the first of its kind in the nation That required residents to shelter in place that was days ahead of Governor Newsom's similar mandate for the entire state and it is Cody who was copied across the nation But my friends, let me explain something before I take my break She built it on a false premise, number one. But number two, originally it was meant to make sure, quote, remember what they told you, that our ER rooms would not be overwhelmed, that we would run out of ventilators, we'd run out of this, run out of that, so you have to stay at home. Well, it turns out there was no overwhelming rush to the ER rooms. The hospitals emptied out. Uh, There were no emergencies to speak of. And yet they've locked us down, and now they've changed the goalposts. And they said, well, it's not about the ventilators anymore. It's about something else. Back in a minute.
0: The Savage Nation. It's Savage on Demand.
1: It's been reported that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over $21 billion. But searching for a better deal can take hours and typically results in a barrage of unwanted spam calls until now, thanks to TheZebra.com. Zebra.com is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site because it's the only place you can compare quotes side by side from over 100 providers, and choose the best one for you in 90 seconds or less. So pay attention. They will never sell your information to the spammers, so you won't get all those unwanted calls or emails. You just answer a few questions in a simple, fast form, and Zebra finds you the best rates and coverage in your state. TechCrunch calls the Zebra kayak for auto insurance. The best part is that it's completely free. You can save up to $670 a year using the Zebra.com. Whatever your economic situation, the Zebra is committed to helping you save. How much can you save on car and home insurance? Why don't you check it out? Start saving at thezebra.com savage. Check it out, see what you save. Go to thezebra.com savage. It's spelled T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A, thezebra.com slash savage. Check it out, thezebra.com savage.
0: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases.
1: So our foreign ownership of our farmland is very worrisome to me, and China not only owns our livestock production in many cases, but our farmland. Did you know that the clever Chinese government also purchased ChemChina, purchased Syngenta, a pesticides and seed company? Do you know that they own the seeds that farmers use to plant our crops? Will they soon own your child, your firstborn, because the Democrats sold them your first child as a serf? Tune in and find out on The Savage Nation. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Okay, you know I'm a car guy. You know I've had a Hellcat. And with the ever-increasing numbers of cars like Dodge, BMW, and Volkswagen, and models like the Hellcat, X3, and Jetta, It's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. We all know that. I'm a car guy, and I'm telling you why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while a counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com right in your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money, that you could then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts in a chain store or a new car dealership when you could do it at home on your own computer? Now, you may not know this, but chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and reliably low they are. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Does not require this. You could just do it yourself. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet sets. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, delivered right to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. But best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write SAVAGE in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's S-A-V-A-G-E. They have an amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Don't stand online in an auto parts store and wait for the hostile clerk to get back to you go to rockauto.com
2: all the parts rockauto.com
1: it is the savage nation i was shocked last week to find out how much of our food production is in the hands of our good friends in communist China. And I was very worried about it. And I did some research for you for the Savage Nation radio program. And today I'm asking you, should we reclaim all U.S. farms owned by China? What do you think about that? The phone number here and 855-407-282. If you're listening on the stream, you can call the show at the same number. But let me give you some more details on this very important subject, because I'm throwing the pebble into this compound on this subject. You're thinking about, you know, when will they reopen and you can make a buck. I don't I don't disagree with that. But uh, when you realize there's going to be food shortages to begin with, and then you realize that the communist Chinese own uh, our supply of various farm products and the land itself, that's going to be the time that this. Uh, pebble I'm throwing into this compound will create the ripples that will reach per- perhaps reach you Now, let me start with which states have the most foreign ownership Maine, would you believe Maine is the number one state that has sold itself out to foreign entities in Maine? Old Maine which used to be a Republican stronghold Has the most acreage under foreign control followed closely by Texas also sold their souls To foreign investors. Next, Alabama, Washington State, Michigan. Those are the top five. But now here's the kicker. Six states have laws banning foreign ownership of farmland. I didn't know that until today. Six states do not permit foreign ownership of their farmland. And what are those states? Hawaii, Iowa, Minnesota, Mississippi, North Dakota and Oklahoma. That's a short list. Six states at some point had the brains, the wisdom, the patriotism, the sanity, the survivability to say no foreigners cannot own our farmland. In the year of 2013, one week before the Chinese company Xinhui purchased Smithfield Foods, Smithfield was the largest uh, producer of pork products in the world. One week before the Chinese company purchased that Smithfield Foods, the Missouri legislature amended a law clearing the way for the approval previously, cleared the the, the way for the approval, okay? So in other words, the Chinese through lobbyists, could be your husband, could be your uncle, your in-laws, the lobbyists in other words, lobbied the Missouri legislature and said, we want a foreigner to buy Smithfield Foods and we want you to make it happen. Now before that, Missouri had a law in its books that banned all foreign ownership of farmland. But that bill then raised the ceiling to 1%. It said, okay, well, we'll let foreigners own 1%. That little move allowed the company that was once known as Smithfield, now known as WH Group, to acquire more than 40,000 acres of Missouri farmland, according to federal data. This is a very big story, maybe not big to you today because it's not uh, in the news, but this is a talk show meant to establish thought, not to establish copycat uh, stories that you can read on any website if you care to comment on this whether you're a farmer or you disagree with me And you say you're troubled by my suggestion that all u.s. Farms owned by China should be returned to the American people or such uh, And you want to debate me on it. I'm open to debate I'm not a Democrat and the phone number here is 7282 phone number is 855 407 7282 this is not Nancy Pelosi's office, which is not open to any comments by citizens. You can call me and debate the subject, or if it's a subject you're not interested in, we will move on, and I will move on. But first, I'm going to take a call in Montana. Kirk, line one, you're on the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. What's on your mind? I uh, wanted Kirk? to say,
3: I've, yeah. I've seen this happening for a long time. I've, I've known about thousands of acres being bought up in the Midwest by the Chinese. I've been against it this whole time. I've also seen what states like California have done to the California farmer stealing water. This whole thing is a national.
1: uh, Newsom Newsom, by the way, represents that interest that you mentioned of stealing water from the farmland areas from the Great Delta. That is correct.
3: We ran our surface water. I, I just left for left for Montana last year. I live near a creek that washed so much water down that creek that went into the San Joaquin River that went into the Delta that not one farmer could tap into. And what that did was decimate the groundwater. Oh,
1: level. Wait, 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 wait. Let's back up. So for people who don't live in California, I know the scandal. Explain to them what this rotten government did.
3: This government stole water from farmers that pay in their property taxes X amount, of, you know, 20 to 40 to 50, $60 per acre in property taxes to get surface water allocation. Their allocation in years were dropped down to ten percent, and in some cases even lower.
1: But where did the water go? Where did they divert the water to?
3: The water went into the San Joaquin Delta to support an invasive species called the delta smelt, and they blamed the pumps for uh, killing the smelt fish. That wasn't so. Wait, so
1: wait. Let, let's see the the stupid environmentalists who are, are in Sacramento, along with the dumb public health morons, these powerless bureaucrats, the mandarins said to the farmer, you cannot have the water that's running through your own farmland. We're going to divert it into the Delta so the smelt can live.
3: And not only that, Dr. Savage, but water they had paid for and was never reimbursed for not receiving.
1: But this is the same mentality that is now locking Californians into their home. This is the same mentality run by the same bureaucracy that says Californians, we'd rather you go on a bread line than you go back to work. Which I want to lead back to now because I've been trying to figure this out all all weekend I was lying in bed, you know one night. I couldn't sleep very well. I was tossing and turning all night Saying to myself. Wait a minute. Let's just reverse the tape these feminists in the health department in The county called Santa Clara which happens to house the high-tech companies uh, that you know of in Silicon Valley says that we should have a lockdown. They never expected it to happen. That was just an advisory. Now, what you don't know is that was based upon the infection rate that she was seeing and her cohorts were seeing in Santa Clara County. But if you dig into the data on that, you will be surprised or not surprised, since it's high tech, to see that many of those getting sick in the beginning were of Indian origin or of Chinese origin who were brought in on H-1B visas to work at lower wages so that the pigs in, the, in high tech could have many more billions of dollars a year. So the high tech pirates bring in people from India and China to steal the jobs of our tech workers. Then the infection rate jumps in those communities. Then the dunce feminist health commissioner locks down her county which is copied by the dunces in surrounding San Francisco counties. They all have no brains. All they are are dumb bureaucrats who could not make it in the private sector. And then the governor copies them. And the next thing is the state's lockdown. Then the country's lockdown. And originally it was to prevent uh, the overwhelming of our hospitals and running out of ventilators. Then it turned out it wasn't true. And then what are these bureaucrats next to? They've changed the goalposts to, well, we have to stay locked down uh, until we have a vaccine. We cannot let stupid bureaucrats who have destroyed our farms and our economy now destroy our freedom, which, they've, which they have done. Again, the phone number is 855 Maybe this topic is a little too heavy for you. You know, I did a good show on Friday, right? And the show was a Peasants View of the World. You know what I didn't know? I'm just going to throw it out there for those of you who follow the show and don't follow me on, online. I had a call on Saturday from my sister. She said, Michael, that was the best show I've heard in years. I didn't even know my sister was a listener of talk radio. I know she listens to my show, but I had posted the fact that a great, a great, a great man in talk radio had died last week. Anyone remember his name? No, no one will remember any of us. It's okay. Anyway, one of the pioneers of talk radio died last week and she said, I grew up listening to him. I said, I didn't know that. She said, I listened to all the great New York hosts in the fifties, sixties. I said, I really didn't know. She said, do you know what Friday was? She said, you did a show that's unlike anything I've ever heard. And I've been listening to talk radio since the 60s. And she said, you were like a fighter in a ring. You were so fast. You moved around so quickly from humor to seriousness, to family, to life. She said it was beautiful. I said, well, what was Friday, the day of that show? She said, Friday, May 8th was our brother's birthday. Jerome was born on May 8th, 1944. He passed away on October 12th, 1969. And I wrote about him in, in one of my books entitled My Silent Brother. I don't know where, which book it was in, probably the, the autobiography something book. I said, I didn't know that. Maybe Jerome was inspiring me from heaven. Now, I don't feel as inspired today as I did Friday. I, you know, my mind is a, is a funny thing. It's not that much the same every day. Some days it's the way I think is different some days than others. Do you know that? I don't know if you're like me. Some days I'm sharper than I am on other days. I mean, I'm not loath to admit it. Just, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. It's about to rain here. The weather's changing. On Saturday, you could die from the heat. You could faint on Friday from the heat. It was like it was like Honolulu here. People were sailing. They were uh, swimming in the San Francisco Bay. Then su- suddenly the fog comes in Saturday, and it gets cold and windy, and you have to wear winter clothes. And now the weather in the San Francisco area has turned Rainy, it's gonna rain all day. It started to rain right now and I put the heat on here in my radio studio so I'm man. I'm a man as I said to you who's kind of um, subject to the changes of the environment I Guess that means I'm alive doesn't it? Jim do we have time for one of those short comedy segments? No, then let's do it When, when I come back I have a treat for you. I was going through my archives And I found savage comedy sketches from yesteryear. You're not going to believe my imitation of a visit to John Gotti in the federal penitentiary that we did some 10 years ago, the minute I returned.
0: The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw.
4: I am hoping that all of you feel the same sense of urgency that I do. Uh, You know, whenever I've campaigned, I've always said, "Ah, this is the most important election. Especially, obviously, when I was on the ballot. Yeah, that always feels like it's the most important election. This one, I'm not on the ballot, but I am, I am uh, pretty darn invested. we gotta, We got to make this happen.
1: Yeah, you've got to make it happen. You've got to make sure that you destroy the country finally, now that the bull is weak and put the sword into his heart. Well, it is the most important election in my lifetime, and uh, I want to remind you of something. When Donald Trump won, what did I say to you in this audience after working for one straight year to get him elected? I said to you that after he gets elected, if we get 50% of what he promises, we should consider it a luck, a lucky. Then I downed it to 40%, then 30 then 20 I said, listen, even if we only get 10% of what we want with Donald Trump, that will be 110% more than we would have gotten from Hillary Clinton. And those words are still true. But I will tell you again, Coming up in this election, if Trump does not win, you'll have a hundred percent of what you don't want, because it will not be Biden. Biden is a is a an invention. He doesn't exist. Biden is a non-existent human being. We all know he's probably senile. He's working out of a basement somewhere in a house. He's never seen when he does. He stumbles. He can't finish a paragraph. Whoever he picks to be, or the powers that run the Um, the company called the Democrat Machine, which is a wholly owned company uh, itself. And probably Obama's running the Democrat Party at this point. You'd have to think he is. Whoever they pick to be the vice president will be the real president within six months, if not from day one. So who will that vice president be? Will it be Kamala Harris? Ask people who know who she is, what this country would look like under the hands of that individual. No, I don't know if it will be her But what if the rumors are true, and Michelle Obama is suddenly put in as the VP candidate, and we all know what will happen then? It means the Obamas will be back in the White House for eight more years. Many of you say, I welcome that because he was a great president. Well, we'll argue about that over those next eight years, at least you will with someone else, it won't be me. But uh, it won't be Biden, it will be the vice president who will be there. And the vice president will no no doubt be a woman, and a minority, who will use that office to target only one group in the United States of America, and that is the white male. If you want your husband, your son, your brother, your uncle, your brother-in-law to be the target of the government, vote for Joe Biden.
0: The Westwood One Podcast Network. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, and here he is. New York Times bestselling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage.
1: If you only knew what I go through behind the curtain of this show. So, during the break, we lose power here because a storm just came in. All my equipment goes out. I said, how did this happen? We have power packs, this, that, no microphone, no telos, no Skype, no, n- nothing. And the, the great team I have, Jim Verde, and just back from a funeral in New Orleans, uh, condolences, Jim, and Robert Borowski held down a fort last week. They, they pulled us back off, uh, back up online. And uh, the effect, <laughs> I, I would say to you, the effect on me is, is like minimal, but it isn't. Think of yourself as a pilot, and you've attained cruising altitude with a full, full complement of passengers. You're at 35,000 feet. You're cruising along, and your engines <laughs> fail. And then you hit the, the power switches, and your engines don't go back <laughs> on for a couple of minutes. So I, I mean, that's what I just went through. I said, "This can't. it's impossible. It's just impossible. I can't take this. I don't want to live like this. But I'm living like this, and I'm glad to be living and to be living like this I got nothing to complain about because um, God has been good to me and uh, I have no complaints whatsoever nobody gets a hundred percent in their life and I've got 99 of what I wanted so I'd say that's a pretty high number and during this epidemic when many of you are being locked out of your businesses can't go to your job and you're suffering at home because of the maniacs running your state Uh, I'm lucky enough to have home studio, a home studio, and to be with you today. In the first hour, we talked about a very serious topic, which is the ownership of our farmland by by China, by Chinese-based companies. And I'm saying the ownership of American farmland by foreign entities, including China, must be stopped immediately. And I asked you to call on that. I also disclosed to you the 13,000 Catholic churches. 13,000 Catholic churches were bailed out (laughs) <laughs> under the PPP program, that were meant to give your business uh, part of the coronavirus emergency funding. Instead, the corrupt churches, synagogues, Catholic churches, synagogues, uh, Protestant churches, mosques, Buddhist temples, all had their hands out, and they got money that was meant for you. They took the money that was meant for you. I, I'm shocked by this, and shocked by it. And we, we'll talk about that if you'd like. Actually, I'm shocked by nothing in America where everything is for sale. I want to just jump to comedy, if you don't mind, for the moment. We're going through my archives this morning, and uh, no disrespect meant to the deceased John Gotti, but this was done while he was alive and in a federal penitentiary where I did a, an imaginary visit with the Don himself in clip number one. Let me know what you think of it.
2: This is Graham Hancock with a
1: special report.
2: (laughs) I was at the U.S. Medical Center for Federal Prisoners in Springfield, Missouri, with John Gotti, the day before he passed. Here now is my special report. So why did you enter a life of crime? Why?
4: Why? What should I have been? What do you want me to be? A dentist? I don't like anastasia. I don't like anastasia. I don't like giving people anastasia. Anastasia got knocked off in a barber chair. Any other questions? Mr. Gotti, do you ever feel any guilt about the people who
2: have been uh, erased,
4: so to speak? I'll talk like a pencil head. I'll <laughs> talk like a pencil head. Some people should never have been born. They were rats from birth. They were rats from birth. You give a rat poison, that's what you're giving. Next. Yes, how
2: was your last meal? <laughs> Did they
4: serve you something that was uh, appropriate? White food. Well, well no the white men are morons. Eating food like this, mashed potatoes, green beans. Uh, carrots? What kind of food is this? No wonder I died of cancer in the throat. It's just a living death in here. You can't get a uh, field Parmesan. You can't get a. You can't get a pasta. You can't get a scotchily. Nothing, nothing, nothing. is white food to kill you. No wonder I got cancer in the throat. And no scoochili either. You can't give me a scoochili for my last meal. What's wrong with these people? FBI! So, Mr. Gotti,
2: how did you find the haircuts in the prison, (laughs) compared to the outside world? A
4: dog! A dog gets better! A dog gets better! Look at my hair! Remember the pictures of me when I was teflon? I look like I got glue on my head now! From this guy who cuts the hair here! this strunge! Mr. Gotti, how would you fight the War on Terror? War on Terror? You know what? They took me out of this can a year ago! You'd have no f***ing War on Terror! Pardon me! You'd have no f***ing war on terror. We would have put a war on terror up their ass! That's what we would have done. We would have done a war on terror up their f***ing ragheads. I see. <laughs> what was your favorite gangster movie? Uh, plenty of them. Many, many different ones. I like Cagney and Little Caesar. I like the way that Little Chew played the part. I liked the way he played the part. He wasn't convincing. But the lines were good. The lines were good. Cagney was good. Uh, Robinson was good. Who was the best done in the movies? Brando, Brando was good. Brando had it down. Brando had it down. Could've done without the cotton in the mouth and the cat, but The Undertaker was good. The Undertaker was good.
2: John Gotti, who will you miss the most when you're gone? One
4: of my friends, my Guma. I miss my Guma. I haven't had one for eight years. It's me and uh, Mary Fist in here. So Mr. Gotti, what were the <laughs> best moments of your life? Murdering, stealing, and
2: killing. So what is the difference between murdering and killing? How would you know? How could you have know
4: a subtle difference like that? That's why I'm me and you're you.
2: <coughs> and Mr. Gotti, one last question for you: Where do you think you go after you die?
4: You can go to hell, you little. What are you asking me a question like that? What do you think I'm God? What do you know?
2: What do you? Know? Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This is Graham Hancock with a special report: John Gotti now sleeping with the fishes. Back to you, Michael Savage.
1: <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that was done in the heyday of the Savage Nation. I mean, there was creativity. It was amazing. Uh, That was with David Rubin, who used to work for the show when I was with a previous uh, syndication company, if you want to call it that. And uh, we did Comedy Genius. Honestly, that was good. Looking back, you know something? You got to listen to things years later to see how good it was. That's a comedy classic. But if you think that's good, and I hope you did, I have another one for you. This is Savage Classic Comedy Sketch Visiting Termination Centers uh, on the Savage Nation. Let's listen to this comedy.
2: This is Graham Hancock. Today, taking a departure from reporting on people and places. Instead, I will become my own protagonist. Since the government has said to expect a nuclear or biological attack at any time, and they can't protect me from it, I have decided to take my destiny into my own hands. I will be visiting euthanasia centers around the world so as to determine when and where my ultimate demise will come. Let's begin in the international euthanasia capital, Amsterdam. Yes, here we are. We're at the Amsterdam Go Happy, Go Lucky Termination Center. Excuse me, sir. Could you tell me about your center's services?
5: Oh, yes. We cater to all your euthanasia needs. Boys as young as fourteen we've put down for depression. Well one stop shopping. I
2: see, and what are your
5: fees? Well, it depends upon your weight uh, and size.
2: You mean like a fish on a scale?
5: Uh, a crude analogy, but precisely disgusting. Your weight and height, please. Wait one minute.
2: I thought euthanasia was painless! Uh,
5: Again, it depends on your definition of pain. (laughs) What methods do you use? Well, you see, we give you a choice. You can take the gas pipe, or you can take the needle, uh, bludgeoning, uh, whatever turns you on. The most preferred method, of course, is IV drugs, Uh, Much like in your San Quentin.
2: Uh. You mean I'll be killed like a common
5: mass murderer in America? Well, again, a crude analogy, but yes, Uh. like a mass murderer.
2: (laughs) I see. Well, sir, I have your card. I have a few more stops to make, but I will be in touch. Back in America now, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Hello, ma'am.
3: Ma'am? I'm no ma'am. You call me sir. That's gender discrimination. My lawyer Stanley said I don't have to take that crap off of any white man. Why is it?
2: Pardon me, ma'am. I, I mean, sir. I, I'm interested in euthanasia. No,
3: you should be. What does a middle-aged white man like you have to live for anyway? A family?
2: <laughs> excuse me?
3: Excuse you? There is no excuse for you. The white man is the cause of all suffering in the world. Well. You're to blame for what. I just want
2: to be euthanized, not lectured. Can you do that for me or not? Well, yes,
3: I could do it, but I wouldn't do you the favor.
2: Living will be a greater punishment. (laughs) I'm not sure which is worse. Waiting for the inevitable in America, not knowing when or where, or putting my life, I mean my death, in the hands of these ghouls. Well, this is Graham Hancock signing off. Perhaps, and perhaps not, for the last time... Back to you, Michael Savage.
1: Not bad. Not bad at all, but she sounded like the health commissioner of Santa Clara County might sound if I got her in an interview. All right. What do you think of those? You like them? You want more of them? Less of them? More of the old comedy? More new comedy? There's so much serious horror out there right now and sadness. I thought a little comedy might be uh, of interest to you on the program today. But if you care to, we can return to the main story of the day, this serious, horrible story of China's ownership of American farmlands, which I say should be turned around.
0: The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand.
3: You know what? Don't waste your time or mine on what he says, okay? We're we're trying to get a job done for the American people in a way that brings people together. We certainly have our differences of opinion. Uh, We have a strong agreement that we have a responsibility to meet the needs of the
1: American people. She's trying to bring the American people together. You know, I don't enjoy criticizing Nancy Pelosi because I know what danger I put myself in. She is an eerie, frightening person. And I know that there, is, there are great dark forces behind her. It frightens me to even have to mention her name. So I lay in bed the other night. I started to say it to you earlier, and I was worried about what they're doing to this country, the Democrats in particular, with the budget, the blowout, the budget blowout, keeping people locked down, businesses failing, uh, food supply cutting off. So what the hell is their end game here? And then a, a bell went off in my head, like a light went off during world war ii there were food shortages and things like that and there were government coupons you needed coupons to buy a certain amount of meat a certain amount of eggs a certain amount of milk uh per week per week and fortunes were made on these coupons and these coupons entered the black market the way our food stamps do and i said oh my god these bastards don't have enough money These anti-American SOBs would rather that America was on food lines so they could suck even more money out of this economy. I said, that's what they're doing. I said, this can't be true. Then I ran it back again. I said, think about what you learned about the black market in World War II. This is the mindset of a good portion of the demonic wing of the Democrat Party, the gangster wing of the Democrat Party, which runs the state of California and many other states. They would like you not to go back to work ever. They would like you to be dependent upon them for your basic necessities. They would love food lines, gas lines. They would like the electricity to be on and off with you having to have a coupon to have electricity going into your house or business. That is exactly what they want. It's a power play and it's a money play. At least that's what I thought in the throes of that nightmare that I had the other night. Tell me what you think about that. Do you think the Democrats really want us to go back to work and return to normal? Or do you think they purposely want us locked down for a very, very long time in order to create shortages that will result in government uh, stamps, which will result in a black market which they control? What do you think about that? You think, say it can't happen here? Why can't it happen here? It already happened here. It's happening here right now. Food stamps. You remember Pelosi's speech last week about food stamps, if you think I'm making this up? Donald Trump said enough with the food stamps already. We can't bail everybody out and and print more food stamps. She gets up and says, oh, of course, I'm concerned about the budget. But we can't deny basic necessities to the poor. You actually think that she cares about the poor? Are you that naive to believe that the Democrat Party especially in California, cares about anything except naked power and profit? I beg to disagree with you if you do. New Jersey, Robert, Line 5. Go ahead. What's your topic? Welcome to the program. Uh,
3: Thank you, Dr. Savage. And I agree with with, kick the Chinese out. Get them the hell out with their chicken kung pao and everything.
4: Get them out of here.
1: You mean you would do without the chicken kung pao?
4: Well, I like uh, General Chow's
1: anyway. You like General Chow's chicken. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know that we want to punish Chinese Americans. I hope you're not saying that. I mean, uh, we could have Chinese restaurants in America run by Chinese Americans. I am talking about China, the the nation of China, owning our farmland. That's quite a different story. And I think we must maintain, you know, the mentality on that one, right? Uh, let's talk about their purchase of Smithfield. It's a very huge story. Caroline, are you still with us uh, in Pleasanton, California? If you are, go ahead, please.
0: Okay, Michael. First of all, I just I've listened to you since you were on the on the night shift. So anyway, wow. I just want to let you know that I think that you need to continue to get the word out about China's control over the United States, our land, our companies, and our politicians. I agree with stopping them from being able to buy our properties here in the United States. I already see in California what the Chinese are doing. And um, I've been re- doing a little bit of reading, China Rx, what they're doing to our uh, manufacturing of medicine.
1: Right. In, in January, I had the woman who wrote that on the show about about the control of our penicillin and many other uh, of our medications.
3: Not, not, but,
1: but that's not just the medications. Now they're owning our farmland, a good portion of it anyway, uh, and they're owning our food supply. Do you know that they bought one of the uh, six seed companies in the world that provides the seeds for our crops? Did you know that? See,
0: that was, just, that was news for me today, but I've already...
1: So got you've the- got a country that's on the warpath that is living high on the hog with money that they garnered by manipulating their currency, uh, and by buying out American politicians who sold out the the heartland of America, sold out the factories and the heartland. And now we're hit with this epidemic, and much of this stuff is coming to the surface. When I come back, we have a very special guest on the program, who will talk about it's time to
0: reopen America. Michael Savage, a host like no other. We
1: have a very, very special guest right now on It's Time to uh, Reopen the States, but it's not just an ordinary person we're talking to. Uh, we have a man, Dr. Roger Klein, who um, has an M.D. and a law degree. He completed his medical training at Yale School of Medicine and received his law degree from Yale Law School, and he directed the type of laboratories to test for coronavirus infections. He knows what he's talking about. He's a pathologist. Board Certification in Molecular Genetic Pathology, and he knows more than most people do, especially those in the health world who seem to think they know more than anybody. And he says it's time to open, at least I think he is saying that. Dr. Klein, thank you so much for being with us on the Savage Nation. Welcome to the program.
6: Thank you, Dr. Savage.
1: Dr. Klein, you are a vocal voice for what, reopening now or reopening soon or when?
6: I, I think we need to start moving now i think i think i think it's critical because you know you've got 35 or 33 and a half million people who filed for unemployment you've got possibly 18 or 20 percent uh, unemployment uh, right now and i think you know we we really risk it being permanent i think we so, so i'm looking at the economics and balancing it against the health risks and i in my view we, we've learned a lot about this virus it's 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 certainly serious. I don't want to underestimate it, but it's not nearly as bad as we thought it was. It kills maybe, I don't know, two to four out of a thousand people, and I, you know, I, I, I just think I think we we need to move forward safely, and and deal with it. it. It's it's very transmissible. It's we have a lot of mild and asymptomatic cases. It seems as if it's just not going to disappear. We need to learn to live with it and we need to protect the most vulnerable, but we need—we also need to protect our economy.
1: Dr. Klein, are you saying that accumulating data uh, using PCR and serology testing from several studies in countries supports the assumption that the number of coronavirus e- infections far exceeds the reported number of cases, which would suggest the illness is less serious for most people than initially believed, uh, and yeah. the infection fatality rate is wide in the range of, point one to point four percent what is it exactly
6: yeah that was that was that was beautifully put in. yes so, so the the center for oxford university center for evidence-based medicine puts it at point puts the infection fatality rate the number of people who die who are infected at one to point one to point four and i you know i think we're seeing that for example in ohio there's a prison where they uh they had a huge outbreak one of the biggest in the country they tested everybody there 2,500 people, over 80, almost 85 percent have been positive. So, so we've had a chance to look at these folks. I think they've had 13 deaths. So you're seeing hmm. in this population of men, older, hmm. thicker, lower socioeconomic, hmm. presumably, so more at risk. You're seeing 0.5 to 0.6 percent death, at, hmm. uh, uh, infection fatality rate. And, and we see this. Look at Iceland. It's really from all over the world. There were studies in California. This is a, a pretty good body of data now. I, I, it, it's very convincing.
1: Well, but listen, you let me back up. Not but are they listening to you in the president's coronavirus task force? Do you have any avenues to them?
6: <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not advising the president's uh, task force. I say and right now, you know, I think he was wise. He he put this. To the governors who can deal with the situations as they exist in their states, and I think a lot of governors are moving forward. I think they're coming to realize this. It's just it, it, you can't you you can't devastate the people well,
1: Why is a guy like Governor Newsom, who's an intelligent man, keeping the state of California in a prison like this when the exact same data apply to this state that applies to the to the situation that you're talking about, Doctor Klein? why are they so resistant to real why are they listening to relatively look let's be clear you're at the top of the scale of intelligence in the world of medicine pathology why is it that these bureaucrats in these health departments who you and i both know are not the smartest people by and large they are not these are nameless faceless bureaucrats who are never never really uh, outside of their little uh, worlds why are they the ones being listened to by governors yes i i
6: mean i I can't speak to who they listen to i what i would say about governor newsom he's he he can look to to what's happened in California, and he can he can say, well, look, we've been very successful based upon what I've done, and I think I, I wouldn't discount that. I we we for some reason California has has been hit quite uh, you know quite less severely than than on the, on the East Coast, and I you know I think there's a number of factors we could get into, but 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 I do think that 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 could help or could have uh, placed. Play, be playing some role in his reluctance to move forward the problem is is you are really you're really putting people's uh, financial health at risk and, and these job losses you know right now everybody's thinking that, that the economy's going to snap back and that no
1: starts. no 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 we both know it won't it, it, can, it can't it can't you know it cannot snap back there's no way to do it do it it's no snap back you know as i said dr klein we have heard the bomb go off, we heard the sound, we've seen the flash, but we haven't felt the devastation yet, because the government put out all this fake money in a fiat currency right now, but, what, six months from now, we're going to feel the devastation of this?
6: Yeah, mean, I think we're feeling it already, but you're right, there's these mitigating factors, you know, people are getting, some people are getting, many getting unemployment payments that were that are more than they were making, But I, but I, you know, that's going to go away in a few months, and I think uh, we're we're going to we're, people are going to it's going to dawn on them that their jobs are gone. People's businesses they spent lifetimes building are going to disappear and they're going to be gone for good. And I, I, you know, I think we need to deal we need to deal with this. Look, if these lockdown measures work and you really can't say that they do. I mean, you look around the country, the state, people who uh, are states that have stay at home orders uh, that didn't have stay at home orders had much le- lower death rates than those that did. I'm not saying
1: that's a cause. Wait, wait, Doc, Dr. Klein, hold on. You are an MD. You're a lawyer from Yale Law School, a medical degree from Yale. You're a pathologist. You're board certified in molecular genetic pathology. You're not an ordinary uh, interested party here. Are you saying there's no data to support that lockdowns or extreme social distancing have been more effective at preventing uh, COVID-19 deaths?
6: Well, I don't think so. I mean, I, what you see are, for example, uh, Governor Cuomo just said that two thirds of the people who are going into the hospital now are people who've sheltered at home. So, so I. I, I, I mean,
1: why, why is that, right? Why did sixty? Why is it sixty-six percent of those being hospitalized in New York City are those who were sheltered at home? How did they get the disease?
6: Well, because they have to come in contact with other people, and in, the new, in new York City, people live in a very compressed, compact. Uh, area that, that you know, they're they're living on you know basically they're living in lot, with lots of lots of people in a very small area it's extremely population dense and it is very very hard to stay away from other people and and you know you can't uh, you can't eliminate all human contact and and, and 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 so the the notion the notion that. Um, that that this is going to work in any and all situations, I think, is wrong. You look at places like South Dakota, where they didn't do anything. They're naturally spread apart. So of course, the the virus doesn't doesn't have the, the, the kind. They don't have the kind of epidemic that that yes. New York experienced.
1: Well, epidemics have always occurred in the largest incidents in crowded, dense urban populations. It's always been true, uh, through through going back to ancient Rome or the Han Dynasty, having studied epidemics. So, doctor, as a, as an expert who's outraged by some of this decision making, what would you say if you were the czar, the COVID czar? What would you say should be done for the nation?
6: Oh, oh, I, I mean, I look. I, first of all, I want to say, I mean, I think the president's done the right thing in the sense that he. By by putting it, by devolving it to the government. but I think what we need to put our energies into are two things. First of all, protecting the most vulnerable, because this thing I don't I think will be very will be lucky. will we'll just It will be pure luck if it goes away. I think it's going to be with us. But I we need to we need to focus on learning to live with it, learning to protect our workforce, learning learning to go on with our lives. In a in a in a way that's safe. I, look, I spent a, I spent years working in the emergency department. I saw people with who came in with tuberculosis and other other diseases, and I never got sick. And I think I think there's a there's a lesson to that. We can protect ourselves. We can go ahead with our lives. We can we can we can uh, we can save our way of life uh, with with without. Um, without destroying without destroying the economy I don't think it's necessary I think I think we need to be smart about it but but we need to move forward
1: well you know I wish that the governor of the state of California where I live would listen to you instead he's listening to relatively dim uh, public health uh, you know officials who no one ever heard of without your credentials and by the way they were basing this upon, a supposed death rates of up to five percent in the beginning. Remember the the fear that was raging through the land, that it was going to rage in a five percent range. People were going to. It was that the uh, it was that more, the mortality rate was that high. Remember those early days of the epidemic.
6: I, I do, and it me- it never made any sense because we were basing that on cases, and we defined cases by testing the sickest people. So we all knew. That that wasn't possible. We knew that. We knew that if we look at only the sickest people, the disease is going to look like the sickest people. And we knew there were many, many other people out there who who, who had who were infected and, and were, uh, were not showing anything like the symptoms, and that were coming to medical attention.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So first, they said we've got to lock everyone up and destroy the economy because we can't overwhelm the ER rooms and we'll run out of ventilators. That was the first. Uh, um, theory. Okay. Turns out that's not true. Hospitals were never overwhelmed, even in crowded New York. So now they, instead of admitting they were wrong and saying it's time to go back to work with safety precautions in place, they've changed and moved the goalpost to something new, saying we've got to wait for a vaccine. You and I both know that there are 20 or 30 mutations of this virus that are known so far. First of all, how safe would a vaccine be when you have 30 mutations uh, of the coronavirus?
6: Well, I think, I think the vaccine could be safe. The question is, is how effective it's going to be. Well, if we look at flu and if we don't hit the right strain, it doesn't, it, you know, it's minimally effective each year. I, yes. I, so I, you know, I, I think that, I think waiting for a vaccine is an unrealistic proposition. The notion that we're going to test 330 million people doesn't make any sense at all. What we need to do is we need to, To move forward again in a sensible way. And I got to tell you, now looking at the beaches and and people out there, you have to intuitively believe that you're much less likely to catch this thing if you're outside and the wind's blowing and you're staying away from other people.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And the governor's yet arresting people for going too near each other on a beach. Dr. Robert Roger Klein, how do people follow you? Where can we follow your work?
6: I'm on Twitter, uh, askRoger, R O G E R. D-K-L-E-I-N and I have website uh, Roger uh, R-O-G-E-R D-K-L-E-I-N dot com
1: roger.cline.com I really thank you for your intelligence and your willingness to speak out thank you for being with us on The Savage Nation Home of Borders Language Culture The Savage Nation Welcome back to the Savage Nation. We're going to go to President Trump's briefing on the virus testing. And um, it's kind of comedic to watch it, uh, especially when you listen to the reporters try to speaking through their uh, COVID masks. Let's tune in for a minute.
3: Kawasaki syndrome it has been seen in a novel coronavirus before and it's associated with illnesses
1: so we have a very strong application on this
3: Uh, we do know treatments for this
1: whenever Uh, you see a naval uniform turn off the whenever you see a navy uniform with a lot of stripes on and all that then they're from the HHS they're not really naval officers that's a peculiar quirk of the of the public health service is that if you go into the public health service and the health you know you get a uniform you make believe that you're a rear admiral uh, some of them may be smart, but none of them are as smart as the guest I just had on Dr. Roger Klein. And you'll notice he's not speaking. So let's tune in again and listen to the clown show right now. Uh, in several
3: areas, what, looking at if there are any special treatments. Uh, we know what the basic treatment is, but this is a little
1: bit different we than know, we normally see. We know see. the imperial. So we, there really we
3: is uh, an activation among all the branches within HHS working with okay, networks. Stop. You, want, uh,
1: you see the difference between how Dr. Klein spoke down to earth and real? With an MD and a, and a, and a law degree from, from Yale, compared to this clown, this bureaucrat, uh, let's go back again to the. You, I mean, what's the point of these press conferences? I could ask you: Should Trump stop them? Who's going to speak now? Who's
7: President, up? With, with this newly emerging syndrome
1: oh, among job. young
7: children, what do you say to parents mask who her. would like to get their children? Look back and he to thinks it's and Halloween. This one, looking at this, and potentially afraid to do that. Well, again, it's a tiny percentage, but you're right. So we're looking into it very strongly. And the Admiral, as he said, he's known about Admiral. this for long before this happened. Uh, but Admiral, Admiral uh, it is a very, very small percentage. And people recover from that. The children recover from that. Ooh. Right? Yeah.
3: Yes, sir. Most do recover uh, from this. But it is, a, it is a serious and it can be a, f- a fatal condition. Um, or, so so um, other
1: illnesses. We do schmuck. want to make sure that so cripple the uh, nation. Parents understand the mask mannevers. Oh, turn uh, it off. Rash. Turn it off. I went in shopping the other day. I thought someone was holding the store up. Everywhere I turned, another schmuck was wearing a bandana over his mouth. Uh, it's one thing to wear a mask. Some of these schmucks are getting off on it. They're putting on bandanas. They look like banditos in a Mexican uh, horror movie. All right, turn it back for a minute. Let's listen to this for a minute.
7: Uh, for quite a while. But it's been uh, very rare, but we're, uh, we're looking at it very closely. It's very important to take choice. this job. Uh, I think one of the things we're one most of their products proud of up is there? Uh, this just came out deaths per 100,000 people death. So, deaths per 100,000 people, Germany and the United States are at the lowest rung of that ladder, meaning low is a positive, not a negative. Uh, Don't tell that
1: the Governor Newsom. Germany and the
7: United States are the two best in deaths per. 100,000 yeah, yeah. people, uh, which, frankly, rate, to me, okay. that's perhaps lowest the most mortality important rate, number excellent. there is. Please go in the back, please. Yeah,
1: okay. Let's see the next masked one. Look at this one.
6: Thank
1: you. Look Thank you, Mr. President.
6: Here. I have a, two questions, one on the Ahmad Avery case and one on um, the, oh, here we go the now. All right, the, the, the racial virus,
1: thing. The thing the now. I, I'm not going to listen to the Avery job. Turn it off. I don't want to hear any more race-baiting. I can't take it. They're blaming him now for what the two uh, thug cops did to that black guy down there? What are they blaming him for? What did he have to do with it? Nothing. Right away, the racial grievance committees arise. Bingo. By the way, you talk about race for one minute. You know what pops in my mind is Al Sharpton. I told you the 13,000 Catholic churches got bailout money that was meant for small businesses, right? And synagogues did, and temples. and prod- Did Al Sharpton's uh, National Action League get a get any of that uh gold? Did any of that gold flow into his uh, paws? Because he's not talking too much. Why are you blaming the president for what happened in Georgia from these two cracker cops? That was a horrible situation, a horrible death. It looked like guys out of deliverance. Uh, all that were missing were their hoods. They left the sheets at home, those two guys. But what are you blaming the president for? Sit down and shut up. Just sit down and shut up instead of blaming him for it, you bum. you. I'll be right back. I mean, tomorrow. Isn't it soon enough?